I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jen. Welcome We're back. back. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little housekeeping update, scheduling update. Yes. So thank you to everybody, first of all, for tuning back in. Now we are back <laughs> and for putting up with our little break. We enjoyed that time away so much that we've decided to make these episodes fortnightly going forwards. Yeah, we just realised, well, as you all probably know, me and Sarah are running our own businesses behind the scenes. We're managing chronic illnesses, we have families, we have lives, and we want to keep this show joyful for us to do. And we also want to be able to show up with our best selves to record these episodes. And we just knew that we needed a little bit more space in our schedules so that we could create the best show for you. Yeah, there were times when we were like, we've got to record one more. And we were both like falling out of our chairs with tiredness. <laughs> so this feels like a really generous decision to to ourselves like a gift to ourselves so that we can keep this as a bonus on top of everything we already do and also we were already like brewing with ideas of the things we might use some of that extra time for to give to you guys as listeners so more hopeful creative kind of spin-off things whether that's going to be free products or things that you might be able to purchase yeah and also I hope anyone listening this can be reminded to you that if your gut is telling you oh I want to cut down on my posting schedule or whatever it is you can do that like everyone thinks a podcast has to be weekly no it doesn't it can be whatever you need it to be and sometimes you have to trust your listeners or your readers or your community enough to know that they can handle whatever your consistency needs to be right now yeah and having kind of gone through this process with my own podcast hashtag authentic I'm realizing it's much better to make a conscious decision before your life basically pushes you into making a decision because then you can do this like we're doing right now and tell everybody what to expect. (laughs) So to come back for our first episode today, we're doing a little bit of an ask us anything. So we've done a shout out on Instagram for questions and we're going to dive in. This is going to be a two-parter. So part one will go up today and look out for part two, two weeks from today. Yes. Okay, let's jump in with question number one. This is from Sophie and Sophie asks, what are your top tips for setting up a new thing as she is training to be a florist? Ah, interesting. I think it's interesting that we assume straight away that because it's a new venture that we have to do a new thing. And I come across this attitude loads Mm. in people like maybe in the Insta retreat or in classes where they say, oh, well, I've got an existing account, but now I'm doing a new thing. So now I need to start again. I need a new website and I need a new Instagram account and everything else. So my first question is always, does this new thing not just fit in with your existing thing? And how can you kind of incorporate it rather than set up again? Yeah, it's always an evolution. You know, my I kind of have this approach, which is like the dream big start small approach. So when you're starting something new, you've got to have a big dream. You've got to be like excited about it. Or why the hell would you do it in the first yeah. place? But if you only focus on the big dream, you're not going to do anything because it's going to feel overwhelming. Yeah. Especially if I'm guessing if Sophie has already built one business for herself to start a new thing is kind of like going all the way back to the beginning in the most exhausting mental, like to me at the thought of going all the way back to the beginning to my business would just be like, I can't do that. That's too much. I've just twigged which Sophie is. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> so I like to think dream big and hold on to why the hell you're doing this, but start really small. Be okay with being a beginner. Take baby steps and just kind of figure out how it fits into your life. I'm guessing Sophie isn't just doing this as a main thing it's alongside something that she's doing and it's using loads of skills and now I know who she is loads of skills that Sophie already has and uses in her existing business so it's not a standalone separate dream it's part of the big dream and I guess the thing is like we always when we start something new we kind of ask ourselves like oh how should I do this or what's going to look like you've decided to do something new Sophie therefore you get to decide how you do this new thing at what pace you do it how you do it how you feel when you do it how it fits in you're in control no one else is in control of this and I think it's really important as well to say don't get so distracted about 
how you present the new thing that you forget to enjoy the new thing like go learn to be a florist immerse yourself in how that feels and what that is and then come away and share what you're inspired and enthusiastic about as a result of that I think approaching it instead of being like okay I'm doing this for my business so how do I create content out of it before you've even got in there is a dangerous mindset because then you're never fully present and kind of committing to what it is you're doing and don't be afraid to share the journey yeah like trust that people like so so my friend Fiona Barrows has currently started her own allotment and she's sharing it like every day on Instagram oh my god that's the kind of content I am here for and it's just amazing and I love that she's a beginner and she's sharing it and I know that's not a business related thing but I think for Sophie's like don't underestimate that sharing it as you go people will love that you're bringing them along totally. the journey well, how many people have dreamt or wondered about training as something like a florist or taking on a new creative yeah. kind of business skill so to see behind the scenes of this is where I'm starting from and this is what I've learned today and this is what's gone horribly wrong is actually way more valuable than just you popping up on their feed in six months time and going guess what I'm fully it's trained perfect. it's amazing yeah. yeah oh good luck Sophie that sounds exciting Okay, the next question asks, how do you stay confident in your offerings when you hit a quiet season? I love that someone asked this because people don't talk about this enough, like Mm. the feast and famine that comes from being a business owner. And I would say that there's two different types of seasons when you experience this. There's the season when your business hasn't become stable yet. So you're just in famine because the business is getting off the ground. And then there's the type of season where you've had some really fruitful seasons in business and you just hit a quiet patch yeah which most people will actually find that they have certain times of the year yes for some people it's the winter and for some people it tends to be the summer yeah so I think if you're in a quiet patch because it's the start that's very different because in that moment you have to dig deep stay the course keep showing up if you just hit a quiet patch out of the blue that comes down to trust and figuring out okay is this just a seasonal situation that's happening that I have to roll with or is something changed in my business that I now need to tweak to get it back on track what do you think totally I understand that fear as well and I think it's important to recognize that the fear probably won't completely disappear because it's scary it's scary when the money's not coming in and it's scary when you're like well I think that this is probably gonna just be a season but I've got no evidence to prove it until I get out the other side so one thing that I always recommend people do is just keep a loose track of when those seasons are in your business so that next year if the same month is quiet you've got that to rely on that evidence that you can kind of fall back on I think also the things to remember in these moments no one talks about this but it happens to everyone if you're a service-based business owner you will always have like peaks and troughs and that's okay and also sometimes there's a difference like if you've had a quiet month you don't have to freak out like sometimes you think sometimes we feel like we have to action our way out of a problem yeah but sometimes it's just trusting the business and we're fixing something that's not actually broken yeah you maybe you've had a quiet month and then you go and change your sales page and and then everything stops working because what was working just yeah like I will say like lots of different things will cause peaks and troughs some of them are in your control and some of them are out of your control Mm -hmm. but I think it's just knowing that you can this is developing a really this is where developing a really good business instinct comes in I think yeah and being in enough conversation with your business that you know okay do I need to ride this out or okay is something off here my personal gut instinct is if something's just a bit quiet for a month or two I don't worry but if it ever got to around month three that would be when I would start having conversations with myself of oh, okay does something need tweaking and like you say that business instinct kicks in on so many levels because if it's the first time you've launched something and it doesn't do well that's very different to something that's got a track record and maybe has one bad launch period 
So I guess for me, it's always about collecting that data and being like, okay, well, this converted to sales previously. So I'm not going to, like you said, delete the sales page and start a whole new offering in response to what could be, you know, Brexit related or, you know, Christmas and people, the way people's money changes in the run up and after Christmas always has a huge bearing. If you're working with like, other businesses their budgets tend to kind of restart in April so the time after Christmas is really difficult like there's so many factors and actually kind of reminding yourself of that and if need be writing a list that kind of teases out all the factors that you can't control for so that in those moments of panic you've got that reassurance I think it's always good to remember in work and life feelings aren't facts yeah like you can feel anxious and uneasy in your business doesn't mean something's going wrong it just means that you're a human being and it's really really hard to navigate financial uncertainty and being a business business owner means there will always be financial uncertainty like me and Sarah after all these years still don't know when we'll make our next money no no we're just trusting the business we've built you trust your instincts and you've got a bit of a track record but you could still have a complete surprise where you launch and get crickets yeah this is where trusting yourself is so key yeah and it's it's a muscle that gets stronger the more you use it so Every time you were put in a situation of feeling like, oh God, is this going to be a long season of, of drought or of, of poor income? You get to use it as an opportunity to be even stronger the next time it comes around. Completely. Okay, the next question is from Rachel and she asks, do you have dreams and goals for the next few years or do you focus on a year or a quarter at a time? What do you do? So I feel like I've shifted a little bit. So I used to be a big believer in like the 12 week year. So kind of just taking it a quarter at a time. And I would say that I definitely have really set in, no, I wouldn't even say set in stone. I have certain focuses for a quarter at a time or maybe a year at a time, like certain things I want to create, certain things I want to do. But I'm very fluid with these things and my energy shifts, I shift things around. Mm -hmm. But I would say that I'm in a place in my life now where I feel able or open to dreaming a little bit bigger for like a bigger long-term dreams so kind of thinking about books I might want to write or new I've got this new business I like little side business that I'm working on or even just life dreams like I want to hopefully have kids one day or like go on certain trips and I think finding stability like feeling really stable and settled in my life now has opened a door into thinking mm. oh what would it be like to dream bigger whereas at different seasons in my life it felt too scary to do that what about you yeah I completely relate to that and I think part of that as well is like you get to test out your skills and your ambitions on a smaller scale. So Mm. then it feels safer to dream on a bigger scale. Jen and I were just talking actually right before we hit record because I don't know what's next for me. Like pretty much for the first time in my business, I haven't got my next dream kind of fully formed in my head right now. And it's a really strange place to be because normally I am someone who I have like two or three big things I hope to achieve in the year. And like you, they can be fluid and I'm I'm very forgiving of myself if my energy changes, Mm. I'm I'm prepared to move it. But I'm able to break those down into really actionable steps so that when I want to achieve something, I I can see the progress I'm making on a day-by-day basis. Right now I can't see any progress because I don't know where I'm headed. And that is throwing me for a bit of a loop. You're uncomfortable right now. Yeah, really uncomfortable. But I'm figuring that it's good experience. Like any time I feel uncomfortable in my business, I know it's a time of growth. So I'm trying to trust that this is going to be the same. And you know what's interesting? I feel like the past two years before this year, I was kind of in like a hunkering down. Like I was in a staying the course season. Like I, I had this dream that I'd built and I was showing up for it and I was nurturing it. And then for some reason this year maybe even just about a month or so ago like this weird door cracked open within me and I've got this book idea that I'm working on I've got this new side business that I'm working on and I just realized we don't know 
the seasons of our lives before they happen. No. Like, I really do believe in trusting the timing of our life and, and our energies and our flows will happen. I just think, I just don't ever... I'm not a big goal setter in general. I'm more like, right now this feels true to me as something I might want to pursue. I'm also cool if my relationship with that changes over the years. Yes. Well, yeah, cause, because we can set a goal at the beginning, like you might shoot the start of a course, oh, I want to get like 2,000 followers. But by the end of the course, you can realise your understanding of everything you're doing has changed so much that actually what you want to achieve can look completely different. And it can be like, actually, I want to build a business that sustains me and means I can quit my day job. And they're so different. Yeah. And life has taught me that like, we have no control. We don't know what's coming next. No. And the harder you try to control it, the more you kind of get in the way of what's actually going to happen. Yeah. I actually think goals is like, for me personally, they're not very productive. I think like dreams and like intentions and goals help me for like the, like the here and now, like, okay, I want to launch this thing. I'm going to get it done by this mm-hmm. day. But for me, like for the future, I just love being open to the fact that if I'm lucky enough to live a long life, I have time to pursue lots of different things. I find it really inspiring actually to hear the way you talk about it because it feels very relaxed. Oh, that's my approach to life. Yeah. Just too chill. Just, but it's good <laughs> because we're, we're kind of conditioned to hold on so tight and to try our best to steer it in the direction that we're told it needs to go in. And actually everything good that's ever come to me has just been by going with the flow. And surprised you. Yeah, totally. Okay. Our next question is from another Rachel and she asks, how do you deal with people not getting your creative business? For example, parents. Oh Yeah. My parents still do not get it. Like, they're never going to. And actually, one of my siblings doesn't even speak to me because she finds everything I do just alienating and upsetting. So I understand very much where this is coming from. And I'm a big believer in kind of holding those people at a distance, Mm. which might sound really harsh. And actually, I think about it might be part of the problem with my relationship with (laughs) said sibling. But if you let those voices in into a space where you're already going to be grappling with self-doubt and crisis of confidence and a lot of questions about what you're doing. If you let in the voices of people who are not informed to have a valid opinion, but have one very loudly anyway, then you're probably not going to make stuff happen. And then you're going to reach a point in your life where you really resent those people who got in the way of you making stuff happen. I couldn't agree more. The the question I always ask myself and my clients in these moments is like, why do you want them? to get your business because if we're very honest with ourselves that comes down to wanting to feel often validated I think there is also in human relationships we want to feel seen and heard and one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn in my life so far is like I can't demand off someone what they don't want to give me like I, yes. you can't go into a relationship from a demanding point of view the only people in relationships I think can demand anything is like children because they do have the right to be like loved and taken care yes. of and like in a marriage whatever you've committed to each other you can kind of demand that of <laughs> yeah. each other but I just think in general it's like why do I want them to get it and I've I have it I have lots of relationships in my life where I don't think people understand what I do mm-hmm. and sometimes they think they understand and they try and talk to me about it and that just makes me feel really down because I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. I actually love my closest friends. They understand, I think, a little bit of what I do, but they don't get it, but I love it because it means when I'm with them, I don't talk or think about work. Yeah, It's actually a lovely escape and I think we can't ask, we can't ask people to understand something that they're not willing to understand, but there are some people in your life who will go on that journey with you and it's knowing who are the people worth putting your emotional labour into. To, and I think show, don't tell 
is like easier yes if you want them to like my um parents they read my instagram feed and they read my weekly letters and that's given them more of an insight into my work than me sitting there and explaining it to them like <laughs> yeah. they've read like my client stories page and i think that's helped them understand like what i do and i think sometimes it's show don't tell don't 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 feel like you have to hustle for someone's understanding just let them see what you're doing yeah and i i think you've hit on something else there as well which is it's not always about the understanding because I like you. I've got friends. I've got one friend we met up for dinner, and she was like, so "How do you make money?" <laughs> <laughs> and it, when my book came out, a really old friend texted me and he said, "I've got to admit, like your career terrifies me, <laughs> but I'm really proud of you." And that they both felt good. That was fine. Yeah. Like they were saying, "I don't get it," but from awesome. a loving place, just from, from a really like loving a, place. it wasn't from like a, mm, I don't get it. What you're doing? Yeah, life. and that's what I feel like. Maybe Rachel is really asking about is that second kind of person, especially when it's your parents, because when people care about us and are used to trying to protect us, they can quite often turn that into holding us back. And it's scary to see someone build a business. Really scary. My whole family told me not to quit my day job. Like nobody thought it was going to happen. And when you're growing up, you kind of rely on those people to guide you and Sense to tell check. you, yeah. like, what are the good decisions in life? But you're an adult and you've probably, hopefully, got people in your life who you've chosen to be there, whose opinions on this particular topic are probably more valuable, more valid, more informed. So go to those people, lean on those people. And, yeah, it's it's fi- it's finding that distance so that you can hear your parents' concerns, but hear it as concern instead of truth. I've also learned don't give anyone, don't open a door in a conversation that then they're not welcome to walk through. Yeah, boundaries. Bound, it's just boundaries. It's like you're not keeping, that's not even keeping them at arm's length. It's just knowing if I start this conversation right now, they're on a different planet to me when it comes mm-hmm. to this conversation. We're going to get nowhere. And this is why having self-employed friends is essential to our sanity. Definitely. Like me and Sarah are really lucky that we're married to people who are also self-employed. <laughs> but like honestly having I have my friends who I can talk business with, so I don't need that from my friends. I can talk to my friends around just like we all have jobs and lives and like how that feels, but I don't need them to talk to me about like the ins and outs of running a business because I get that support elsewhere. Yeah. And then the only time that that kind of comes into conflict then is when your boundaries are not really strong. So if you have friends who don't understand your business who think maybe that your time is more flexible Mm. than it can be because you're working from home or things like that. And then that comes back down to us as the business owner to set those boundaries and make it really clear, oh, I can't do that because I'm working. And say it enough times and people will start to understand at least that facet of what you do. It's hard. It's not easy, but it's on boundaries and navigating human relationships never is. It's like, I feel like it's the top level skill. Like once you're dealing with boundaries, you're doing quite well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Margie asks... How do you get things done when you have limited time or energy? Story of my life. Yeah, me too. I feel like my energy limitations have made me very good at prioritizing, quite ruthless Mm -hmm. at prioritizing in ways that the people pleaser in me really doesn't like and would prefer that I didn't have to be quite so ruthless. But yeah, when, when you've only got very limited amount of energy in a day it becomes a lot easier to see what you will and won't do. I'm completely the same I'm so ruthless around my time I think it is knowing your limitations and asking something of yourself that you can't give Mm -hmm. and it's kind of when you have limited energy you can say you can't say yes as much to the negotiables in life. Like, I don't say yes to someone just picking my brain. Yeah. I turn down a lot of requests for, like, speaking and podcasts because I'm like, I just don't have time for this because it's either I rest so that I can do the work I've already committed to or I do this and lose spoons to that. Yeah. So I think it's terms of it's not easy getting things done when you have limited time or energy, but 
that is also the only life you have available to you if that's your life if you have yeah. limited time or energy be really honest with yourself about what you can get done in that time and then do that really well and just be flexible give yourself a bit of breathing room it's kind of like instead of trying to work against it learn how to work oh, yeah. with it which is the secret to everything ever I think and I find it helpful to to break down mental energy and physical energy and what's being required and the reason I say that is because I quite often would be like, well, they're just asking me to like fill in a questionnaire or they're just asking me to sit in a chair and talk to them. That's not going to take much energy, but it's going to take tons of mental energy. And once I started to respect that, and actually that that's the thing I have even less of on most days, I found it much more easy to kind of, I guess it's like managing my spoons, like realistically managing them. And knowing where your real work's happening like I think the ruthlessness comes from being like I don't really do anything other than my core work yeah and that might sound a bit limiting but really I find freedom in that because by only doing my real work I'm not asking anything of my schedule that's not necessary to ask of it and I think also just don't compare your output to someone who doesn't have limited energy or time no that's so unhelpful I mean that's unhelpful for anyone to compare anyway but especially when you're working with a different hand of cards yeah completely okay next question is from Letitia and she asks what's helped you the most to embrace where you're at when you'd rather be somewhere else I feel like this is the question I'm always exploring with my clients. Like, how can they pursue where they want to get to while still living in the present of where they are now? Yeah, it's it's a fine line, isn't it? Because go too far in either direction, you start to kind of nudge into despair. Yeah, I mean, I think the only way I've learned how to do this is gratitude. I know that sounds so cheap, right? But you ha- to be grateful for where I am now, to ex- also acceptance, like, this is where I am now. It's not a bad place. I mean, this is the privilege of I'm not in like a crisis situation Mm. in my life, but like I'm grateful for where I am. I'm a human being who's growing and evolving. So there's always the next stage where I'm moving towards. But if I can't enjoy this, I can't enjoy that either. Yeah. And also kind of just knowing that all you can be is where you are. And the other thing I get people to do sometimes is say they want their business to be a certain place or their life to be in a certain place. Usually we tell ourselves a story of how our life will look and feel differently then. What if you try and bring a little bit of that into your here and now? Yes. So if you say to yourself, well, then I'll be able to go on more walks in the day. What if you can fit in just small walks in the day or I'll sleep better or whatever you tell yourself. Is that true? And can you actually bring a little bit of it to now? Because if all we have is the present moment. Right. There's no point waiting until 20 years from now when you can have what you want. No, and life's too short and life is every moment of it is a gift I have to believe that and we shouldn't like delay our joy until we reach the next milestone and I also firmly believe there are no shortcuts so if your dream is to like be Beyonce (laughs) you have to go through all the steps you have to go through the Destiny's Child years (laughs) before you can be Beyonce and there's there's no way through that so enjoy the process because that's that's where you gain all the insight and the wisdom and the knowledge and the skills that you're going to bring to that eventual reality that you're working towards. And don't believe the lie that you're supposed to be where you think you're supposed to be. You're only supposed to be where you are. Definitely. And that's where comparison can trip you up. So avoid it all costs. <laughs> so Siobhan asks, how do you manage to sustain your business when your mental health dips? I actually should add that she has sent a follow-up question and says, is it wrong for me to even be considering working for myself when I am mentally unwell? And I feel very strongly about this question. What? If anyone doesn't know my kind of business history, I had a mental health breakdown when I was 19. I had another one when I was 21 and I started my business when I was just about to turn 23. So I started my business in the middle of a mental health recovery after I lost 
about two to three years of my life to just complete mental health breakdown and so I feel very strongly that if you have a mental health illness or struggles that does not mean that you are not worthy of building whatever kind of life you want to build for yourself doesn't make you weak doesn't make you dangerous doesn't make you incapable this is a story that society has built around mental health illness around all illness around disability in just the same way completely and I think there's this fear if you have had an experience with your mental health before where you have felt out of control or where you have felt disconnected from reality even where you have had a real rock bottom with your mental health I know for me I was very scared for a long time what if it happens again or when will it happen Mm. again and you don't trust yourself as much because your mind has betrayed you a little bit it's gone to this crazy place and I think it's just the same as managing any form of illness like you were saying you just work with it instead of working against it I mean I have lived with mental health illness my whole life I have had crisis moments I'm in a really healthy place at the moment but I still deal with it I still have depressive episodes I still have anxiety episodes and how I deal with it is I just respect the fact that I'm a human being who needs to take care of their mental health. I don't judge it. I don't hate it. I don't make up this big story that I used to, that I was like broken beyond repair and I was not worthy of life. And I think build a life and a career for yourself that gives you space to take care of your mental health. That's the only solution I know. I have enough space in my work and my life that if I have a bad day, my schedule isn't packed so tight that I can't take half an hour just to take care of myself yeah. or that I don't, you know, I I take five, like I work two coaching days in a week and the rest of the week is for me to do whatever I need to. So if I'm feeling really shitty one week, there's five days of mine that I can just rest. Yeah. And I've built that very much on purpose because I really believe that with mental health, a prevention is a big, you know, you very rarely go from zero to 60. Yes. It, there's lots li- of warning signs along the yeah. way. I think back to the version of me that thought I wasn't worthy of doing anything because I was mentally unwell. And if I'd have believed that, and if I didn't have people who loved me, who told me, you can, or if I didn't see models of people who with mental illness had built something, it just makes me so sad to think that it writes us off because it doesn't, and it makes you, you have a super secret weapon with mental illness because you've experienced one of the scariest things that'll ever happen Mm -hmm. to you you have a quiet strength that you only get from going to those dark places so Siobhan and anyone else listening who is asking themselves like can I start a business when I've got mental health illness of course you can it's you wouldn't let someone who has a disability ask themselves that question no and to be honest if you if you need to work and you need to earn quite often your own business is going to be way more flexible and accommodating for your mental health and for the things you need in your life, like you've been saying, Jen, than a traditional nine to five job. And yet it kind of sounds like Siobhan's saying like, am I crazy to even be considering this when I have a mental illness? But you wouldn't say I'm a crazy for applying, you know, to Tesco. Yeah. And I think it's just knowing also what season you're in with your mental health. Like, are you in a season where you are in crisis and you need to get back to baseline? I have this conversation a lot with my clients who live with mental health illness and they're kind of recovered. And then they're all, a big thing that comes up is, um, and I really relate to this, is the fear of going backwards. Yeah. And I feel like with your mental health as a baseline, and if you dip just a little bit below it or you're at the surface, the level of it, you could feel a bit off. But what you, if you go too far down, it takes ages to get back up. So the job is always, am I at baseline at least? Because at baseline, then you have the opportunity to thrive. Yeah, I feel like what you said, you started your business in the midst of your recovery yeah. and it was not in the midst of your crisis is obviously a really important point. Completely. And I think this is what I'm saying to Siobhan is like, you can do this. It's just, when do you want to do it? How do you want to do it? Do you need to go, Do you, what permission do you need to give yourself right now? But I think the biggest thing is not believing the lie that having a mental health illness makes you incapable. Yeah. It just means your brain is wired a different way. Working differently in any way, whatever that is, if that's mental illness, if it's ADHD, if it's the autistic spectrum, if it's a disability, 
whatever it is for you, it doesn't mean that you are not valid and not worthy and cannot find a way to make this work if you want it to. Everything about the conventional employment system makes you feel like if you're mm. not able to show up at nine o'clock and be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for the next eight hours at your desk, that you're a drain on society. And actually both Jen and I and our businesses are evidence that actually if you take away the framework that's unhelpful and put in one Mm -hmm. that supports you instead, which you get the freedom to do as a business owner, then you can be productive and valuable beyond anything you would have achieved in that previous structure. I'll just say one last thing to Siobhan because like I feel very emotionally connected to this question as you can tell. But slowly building my business and building this life for myself has empowered me in ways that I didn't know was possible mm. because when you have a mental health illness you ca- you do kind of feel less than especially yeah. if you've had a big crisis episode or a big breakdown you just feel like a broken human and it has been so empowering for me to build something of my own and I just think you have to anyone listening to this like you have the option to claim something for yourself and build it for you and live out loud the fact that just because your brain might be wired or the chemical imbalance might be a certain way doesn't mean that you can't do amazing things but just go so gentle on yourself don't ask anything of yourself that your mental health can't do right now set yourself up for success yeah which is the same guidance you would give to anyone really yeah be just be kind to yourself and look for examples of people who've done this because it reminds you that it's possible yeah and there are so many Definitely. So many of us out there. So we will stop there and we will pick up for the next episode in two weeks with the rest of our questions. But thank you for listening, everyone, today. This was, I was quite nervous about getting back behind the microphone today. I was like, can I do this? Feels good though, right? It feels so good. Feels really good. And let us know what you think about our decision to switch to fortnightly and any of your responses to the topics we've discussed today. Our hashtag is Dear Hopeful Creative. And as always, if you've got a letter that you'd love us to answer in an episode, please head over to our website, lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and submit it. We can't wait to have some fresh new questions. Yeah, we're reading those all the time, so do send away. You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We're going to be sharing new episodes. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon. Bye.